Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact His kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. Hey, good morning. How is everybody? Good. Hey, I want to welcome both of our campuses, Noonan and LaGrange. We are live between two cities. It is awesome. I want to say welcome to all of you who are worshiping with us at the LaGrange 10 Theater today. And for those of you here at our Noonan campus, I just want to welcome you. Uh, we're in a series called Making Change. And I just thought it would be fitting to just uh, talk about how the Falcons have changed this year, right? Right? Yeah, that's right. I thought it was very prophetic yesterday that when all of the heavens let go of all the rain and the rivers began to rise, it was God's way of saying it's about to rise up around here. And uh, so I want us to stop and pray for Matt Ryan's arm right now. Lord, all we need is 400 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> Some of you go, am I at the right church? You sure are, man. God wanted you here today to hear that. You just need to know. So I, I want to do a little celebration meter because sometimes uh, when I speak, people like to... Uh, by the way, I like it when people talk back to me when I preach. I really do. Uh, some people get like weird about that. I actually like it. So uh, if you go, yep, that's right. Uh, I actually think, hey, man, we're into this thing together. Okay, so you talk back to me today, and I just want to check your celebration meter real quick. Um, The Falcons are in the NFC title game. (laughs) Yeah, someone just said, glory. Yeah, there is a God in heaven. And uh, the Falcons are in the NFC Championship. So if you're watching us like online after this message is over, you got to understand ATL is like riot mode right now. Everyone is so excited about the game. And uh, if you're a Packers fan here today, uh, I love you. (laughs) Oh man, booing people in church, man. I love my church. I just want to say that. So if you came to church because you thought it was going to be tame and calm, you came to the wrong place, man. This place is alive. And uh, God's doing a great work here. And we pray against the cheeseheads in Jesus' name. (laughs) Just teasing. 
Just teasing. Uh, so we're in this third week of this series called Making Change. And I don't know if y'all remember this movie. I know most of you do. It's kind of very iconic to kind of our generation. Uh, came out about 10 or 15 years ago. It was this, uh, this little movie called Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Remember Forrest Gump? Like, he went to his mama. Notice I said mama. He went to his mama, and he asked her, he said, Mama, what's my purpose? What's my purpose in life? And he spends the whole movie trying to figure out what his purpose is. And I don't know about you, the first time I watched it, I didn't get it, okay? Because, like, I don't think, like, through the lens of drama, like, if it doesn't have action or a guy named Jason Bourne in it, I don't totally get it, okay? And you know what I'm talking about, amen? And, uh, and so I'm watching the movie, and I don't totally get it. There's feathers going everywhere, and he keeps sitting on a bench talking to people. But the whole movie is just about Forrest Gump trying to figure out what his purpose was in life. And he runs halfway across America, listening to one of the most iconic songs of rock in the world, you know, running on empty, okay. And he's doing all this stuff, but he never really figures out what his purpose is until the end of his life. And so today, when we talk about change, we're going to talk about a question that every single one of us in life have to answer, and that is this. What is my purpose, and how does knowing God's purpose for my life create change in my life. Think about it. Last week we talked about perspective. Perspective is important. If we don't have the right perspective, we won't be able to see the world the way God wants to see it and bring the change that God has left us here to bring. In fact, I want to say to you again, I said this the first week, if you're not dead, God's not done. So this idea that I'm just here to like take up oxygen and pay taxes every April 15th, that's not God's purpose for your life. Right? God has something more for you. And so I started thinking about that whole movie about all of us have to find what God's purpose is for our life. And the idea of God's purpose is kind of challenging at times. And here's why. Many times when we talk about God's purpose, we also put it in the same place as we think about God's will. What is God's will for my life? Some of you in this room, you're contemplating getting married and you're like, is this God's will for my life? Does God want me to marry this guy? Does God want me to to marry this girl? And we're kind of afraid of it a little bit because how many of you have ever been afraid that you would mess up the will of God? Like, right, just be honest, right? Like some of you are like, if I I don't turn right here, I'll mess up the will of God. What if God wants to take me down this street because somebody needs his help, you know? And, And we get into this whole deal about being frustrated because we want to know the will of God and we want to live in God's purpose, but many times we don't quite know how to get there. You see, why we do something in our life is more important than what we do in our life. Why we do something. Purpose is about why I do something. God's will is kind of the avenue of how he uses me to get to do his purpose. But the idea of purpose and will sometimes go together. And when I think about this, here's what I realize about God's purpose and God's will and how they flow together. Here's the thought. God wants more than good things for our lives. He wants God things. You see, when it comes to God's purpose and God's will, we gotta get down to this point of realizing God doesn't want us to settle for our best. God wants us to have his best. I believe that. I believe that about my life. I believe that about my generation. I believe that about my family. And what I realized in my life many times, I've traded God's best for my good. Think about it in your relationships. 
Maybe you're in a marriage and you're struggling and you're like, you know what, we're just going to live married according to the way we think we ought to be married instead of the way God says our relationship can be. Think about it, your finances, right? How you manage your money. The idea that God says, hey, I've got a perfect plan and purpose for your finances. And you go, yeah, but God, I've got this really cool way of making sure that we get everything we think we need in our life. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't trade your good for my best. You see, God doesn't want us to have good things. He wants us to have God things. All throughout Scripture, he tells us over and over again, this is what I want for you. This is what I purpose for you. That's why choosing and understanding God's purpose is so big in our life. Otherwise, we'll settle for good things instead of God things. I fully believe God wants us to have God things in our life. And so when it comes to our purpose, then we start saying, well, then I've got to figure out who I am. Have you ever gone through a season in your life you tried to figure yourself out? Like, tear yourself apart and you're like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? We spend a lot of times trying to to find ourselves in this life. Jesus actually had something to say to us in the Gospels about that. Listen to what he says in one of the Gospels. He says, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I don't know about you, the first time I read that verse, I thought, whoa, that's very freeing. I don't have to spend my life trying to find myself. Because Jesus said, I actually find myself when I lose myself, right? The focus isn't on my purpose. The focus has to be on what does God purpose for my life. So I want to make a profound statement to us today. The purpose of your life and my life is not to find ourselves. The purpose of your life and my life is to find God and know him personally. When you boil all the water out of the pot of our lives, what is it that brings us to our greatest happiness? What is it that can create the greatest amount of joy? What is it that can cause us to want to get up and attack life every morning instead of get out of bed and go, oh gosh, do I have to have another Monday? I think I, I, think I read this somewhere this week that the average lifespan is 25,500 days. How many of those days do you and I have left? And the question is this, are we going to live them in God's purpose? Or are we going to try to find ourselves? It's an amazing thing. So the goal is not to find myself. The goal is to find God and know him personally. But then here's what we do sometimes. We go, okay, well, I'm just going to make my plans. And sometimes we include God in our plans, right? Have you ever noticed that we have a really good idea that we think our plans are better than God's plans? But I read this verse in Proverbs 19, 20, 21 years ago. Listen to what it says. Many are the plans in a person's heart. How many of you in this room are planners? Raise your hand, okay? And you're sitting next to a person who's not a planner. They just kind of let it happen, right? Like they're the type of person that turned on the television Saturday and they said, oh, we have a new president, right? They're just letting it happen, right? I mean, they're the type, they don't think about a whole lot. They don't stress. And, and sometimes that's a gift, but sometimes it can be bad. But the truth is, it can also be really bad to be so focused on our plans that we think we have a better plan than God's purpose. He says this, he says, many are the plans in a person's heart. I think the person's talking about me there, but it's in the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, we can make plans and never truly discover God's purpose for our life. In fact, we can even make plans and try to say, well, this must be God's will, because I came up with it, right? God wouldn't have given me these thoughts. 
if he didn't want me to do this. No, the truth is you may have had some bad Mexican food the night before. And that's why you woke up the next day and decided to do what you did. (laughs) Make plans. But realize sometimes you can make plans and never discover God's will or God's true purpose. You see, sometimes what I plan to do isn't what God has purposed for me to do. Just because I can plan it doesn't mean he's purposed it. So I want to give you some good news today as we jump in and we talk about this idea of aligning our lives to God's purpose, because in doing so, God will help us make change. Listen to this statement. God created me with a purpose for a purpose. God created you with a purpose for a purpose. You are not here by mistake. Some of you go, I walked into the wrong church today. Or I I don't know if God wants me. Listen, some of you never thought you'd live in Noonan, Georgia. Some of you never thought you'd live in LaGrange, Georgia. But you're here today in this moment, in this place, and you go, it must have been like God had an accident and said, oops. Oh, there's no accident. God is both sovereign and providential. He's providentially sovereign and he's sovereignly providential. He has you here right now and he wants you to hear this crazy guy talking to you today. God created you and he created me for a purpose with a purpose. So my story kind of goes like this. I was born uh, the youngest of five children. We have any babies in the family here? Okay. Uh, I like that. Rise up. Okay. Um, I was beaten a lot as a child by older siblings. I just want to say that. Um, But I deserved it. Um, So the youngest of five kids, my dad was 49 when they found out they were going to have me. 49. I thought that my parents had figured out what was causing all the babies to happen. But obviously they wanted to test the theory one more time. And it worked. And so sometimes in my life, I was like, why didn't my parents have me in their 30s? My dad was 65 and retiring the year that I graduated from high school. And I remember thinking back then, everyone else's dad is hip and cool and 40, and my dad's 65. My life is horrible. (laughs) Yet I made it onto the planet. See, God didn't make no mistakes. I'm going to tell you, y'all are going to laugh. My dad's first name was Ace. Who's got a dad that's cool, right? My dad's real first name was Ace. He turned, he would have been 95 this last Tuesday. We we celebrated his birthday even though he's in heaven now. But but I'm just telling you, Ace and Francis Smith gave birth to this little baby boy after having four others and he was 49 and she was 42 and and they didn't, they knew what it was causing but they did it anyway. And, And here I am and I just want to tell you, I'm not here by mistake. I'm here on purpose with a purpose. So I think about Atlanta, Georgia. Like I used to tell God all the time, God, there's two cities I don't know that I could ever serve in the church in. One is Dallas, Texas, and the other is Atlanta, Georgia. Why Dallas and Atlanta? I don't know. It seemed like everyone was going there to plant churches. And I was like, I don't know that I could ever serve there, God. Like you've got to take me somewhere cool like Destin, Florida. (laughs) Right? That is the will of God for me. I've prayed that prayer many times. It fell on deaf ears. And so I remember coming here almost six years ago and driving into this city and God saying, this is what I want for you. This is where I want you. And I just want to tell you guys, God has a purpose for me in being here at this moment in this day. God created me with a purpose for a purpose. God created you for a purpose with a purpose. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. 
we're going to be looking at some things that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Now, let me tell you the story as you're turning over there. Paul wrote this letter around A.D. 60, A.D. 62. And when he wrote this letter to them, he was actually locked up in a Roman prison. So imagine what you would write from a Roman prison to your friends, okay? You would open up my letter, and all it would say in big letters is, help me, okay? Help me. Get me out of here. And, and Paul sat down in this Roman prison, and he's writing these letters to these churches, The part we don't realize is when he was actually, we read about him in the book of Acts, in Acts 19 and 20, when he left Ephesus and was on his way to Jerusalem, he met with some of the elders from the Ephesus church and was explaining to them why he was going to go all the way to Rome and suffer for the cause of Christ. In Acts 20, 24, he kind of shares with us his purpose. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me My only aim, in other words, my only purpose, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So before Paul ever penned these words we're going to read today, Paul wanted you and I to understand I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. I asked the question, was Paul truly in prison? Well, physically he was. Spiritually he wasn't. He was in God's purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, starting in verse 3. Look at what he says. It's very profound. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I want you to stop right there. If you just stopped right there and didn't understand God has a bigger purpose for your life and my life, Listen to what he says past verse 7, verse 8, that he lavished on us. In other words, he lavished God's grace. Have you ever had something lavished on you? God's grace, he says through Jesus Christ, has been lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And then look at verse 11. This is so profound to me. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Verse 12. In order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. You see, sometimes when we read the Bible, because Paul usually used a lot of words when he taught, think about it, you're writing in a cell and you're trying to write a letter to a church to encourage them to continue the great commission of sending Jesus to the ends of the earth. He's trying to help them get it straight. What is God's purpose for my life and for your life? So sometimes what I do when I'm studying my Bible is I'll pull out a different translation or I'll even pull out a paraphrase of a translation. 
And I'll read it because I want to get an understanding of what did he say in verse 11 that was so profound. Eugene Peterson has a translation or a, a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. If you've never read it, it's awesome. But in Ephesians 1.11, in The Message, this is what that verse says. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Everybody say purpose. God's purpose for our life is so much bigger than we even understand or know. You see, if you're like me, I go through life many times, and here's what I say. God, I want to do your will. I want to know what your will for my life is. And let's be honest, sometimes here's what we do. We say, God, I want to know your will because I don't know my way. <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm trying to find direction here. Like, you know, I'm str- what do I do? Do I take this job? Do I get in this relationship? And, and what we don't understand is the, the reason we don't know our way is because we don't, first of all, understand God's purpose for our life. What is God's purpose for my life? God's purpose for your life above everything else is that you and I would know him personally. You say, that sounds so easy. Oh, that's so profound. Because see, the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, God began to do a work in me because his purpose began working in my life. It was no longer what I wanted. It was what he had purposed for me long ago, and I read Ephesians, and I go, I got all that? I got every last bit of it. All of the shoveling of his grace lavished on me through Jesus Christ. All of the richness and the fullness of what it meant to have a personal relationship, and I love that first line, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Man, that's purpose. So I started thinking about that. Why is this so important to making change in my life and your life? Here's why. Many times we stop short of seeing lasting change happen in our life because we try to do God's will without ever understanding God's true purpose for our life. In fact, I want to say this. It's really hard to do the will of God if you don't know the ways of God. If you don't know the character of God. I mean, that's why studying God's word is so cool because there's so much in 66 books that he tells us about who he is and what his purpose is for our life. I don't read this book like a history book. I almost read it like it's in a, this is a, this is a playbook. This is how God says, I want to unveil my purpose for your life. And so I read it like a playbook. But I want to talk to you real quick about how I can see lasting change through realigning my life to God's purpose. Because it doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in your past. God's purpose is always greater. It's always greater. So here's the things we got to talk about. First of all, God has a purpose for where he's planted you. He has a purpose for where he's planted you. Now, some of you go, I don't like where I'm planted. I hate this job. I hate this relationship, right? I hate being, some of you became parents and you thought it was going to be all nice and cozy and sweet. And it's not all nice, cozy and sweet. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to pull my hair out. 
or it's going to fall out. Eventually, one thing will happen. God has a purpose for where he's planted you. You see, we don't have to change our location or even our situation to find God's purpose where he's planted us. It's already there. You say, well, show me that. Like, help me unpack that. Well, think about Job, right? Job in the Bible was a guy who lost everything. God allowed affliction to happen in his life. And I'm sure some people in Christendom would look at Job and say, well, he didn't love God enough, otherwise that wouldn't have happened. He didn't have enough faith, otherwise... No, no, no. God allowed every bit of affliction into Job's life. And so then Job, we know, has some friends, right? And his friends keep coming around him going, well, Job, if you were more righteous, God wouldn't allow this to happen to you. And then one friend comes and says, there must be some secret sin you're hiding from us, Job, because God wouldn't just bring this on a righteous person. (laughs) But at the end of the book... When Job is looking back, he says something back to God that ought to profoundly change where we're planted in our life and what we're going through. Job 42.2, look what he says. He says, I know that you, he's talking to God, can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. (laughs) That's powerful. God has purpose where he's planted you. And you say, well, I don't like all that's how I don't. Listen, God wants you to discover his purpose for your life where you're planted. But what do we do in America? Because we have so much choices, we unplant ourselves. And we say, I got to go plant myself in a new job. I got to go and plant myself in a new, uh, a new relationship. I got to go and plant myself in a new financial thing for my life. God says, no, 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 no. Sometimes you don't need to move. You just need to wait until I move, right? I mean, let's be honest. As Americans, we've lost our staying power, haven't we? We're insatiable, right? I mean, we turn on like every day on the television and we're just hoping something changes and falls in our favor and our direction. And yet generations before us understood that, you know what? You don't always get what you want. (laughs) It's crazy. God has a purpose where he's planted you. You may be in a job and you go, man, this job is going nowhere. Not if you're living out God's purpose, it's not. God has purpose wherever he's planted you. He has purpose. We don't always need to make the move. Sometimes we just need to sit and wait for God to move. But what do we do? Sometimes we run from our problems. And when we do, we leave God's purpose for our lives. Be careful. Listen, if God tells you to move, man, move. But if God tells you to stay, you better say, God, what is it you want to teach me right here, right now, that's in accordance with your purpose? It's amazing. You say, how do you know that's true? Well, the book of Romans chapter 8, same guy, Paul speaking here. Romans 8, 28. Look what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his what? His what? His what? (laughs) His purpose. I think that's just crazy what Paul just said. Paul just like spoke. He got up all in our grill right there. What he said is this. We know that all things, not some things, not a few things, not a couple things, not the things that you plan or you plan or you plan, He says, but I know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. You know what that tells me? Wherever God plants me every day in that place is a Romans 8.28 day. 
You say, well, that'll change my perspective. It sure will. God has purpose where he's planted you. You know, the the next thing I've noticed, God wants to move us from decisions to desires. Think about God's purpose. We want to make it about the decisions we make and aligning ourselves to his will, but what God really wants to do is get us past deciding to do his will and starting to desire his purpose for our life. In the book of Psalms, chapter 40, David's a great example of this. David was, we know in the Bible, the man after God's own heart, right? And yet we know he fell. We know he had issues in his life. We know he struggled. At times, he didn't always follow God's ways, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. And I think this was probably one of the scriptures that proves the pathway of why he was a man after God's own heart. Look at Psalms 40, verse 8. He says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Your law. See, in our lives, what happens is, is we try to make doing God's purpose or fulfilling God's purpose for our life about the decisions that we make. And God says, I want you to bring you to a place of desire. He says, I desire to do your will. How many of y'all remember this verse? It's in Psalms 37, four. It says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In fact, it says it this way, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, I remember reading that as a 17-year-old. I was a new Christian, and I would say, hey, God's got this really cool plan. If I do what he wants me to do, he'll let me do what I want to do. You ever thought that verse said that? Like, I know people, they quote it all the time. Well, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you desires in your own heart. So I remember one time praying, like, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go buy a Camaro. (laughs) Right? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go buy a big honking house. That's not what that verse means. Here's what it means. When we delight in God's purpose, our desires will parallel his plan. See, I asked you earlier, how many of you want to do the will of God? And most of you raised your hand. I want to do God's will. I believe most of us in this room do because we know that our will will probably fall off the wills, but we know God's will is good, right? When we delight in God's purpose, our desires will parallel his plan. God wants us to move from decisions to desires. It's kind of like this. How many of you at LaGrange and Noonan, you're married? Raise your hand. All right. And if you didn't raise your hand and you're married to the person next to you, it's very awkward, okay? <laughs> like, we're not married? <laughs> we have four kids. Um, imagine coming home at night to your spouse and you say something like this. Hey, today, I decided not to, um, I, decided not to I decided not to have an affair. And then about two hours later, your kids come in. Hey, today I've decided that I'm going to love you, children. And then about two hours later, you know, it's getting kind of awkward around the house after those two things. You begin to make all these decisions and you realize that when you're in love with someone, what you really don't want is them to decide to love you. What you want is for them to desire to love you. I mean, it's like my wife, I desire her. I want to be around her all the time. We do a lot of things together. We run together. We hang out together. We do crazy stuff together. But here's the deal. The day that I walk in and look at her and say, you know, I think I've made a decision to continue to date you. (laughs) It's going to get awkward. But you know what? God's the same way. When it comes to knowing his purpose for our life and his will, God wants us to move past decisions and move to desires. And then the last one's this. 
If we're going to realign ourselves to God's purpose, we've got to walk in God's purpose, and then whatever we do will accomplish God's will. Paul wrote another letter to the church at Colossae. It's Colossians 3. And he's explaining to them how Jesus is the perfect person and that everything in the universe really fits around him. That we don't need to add all these other things. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's it. And then in chapter 3, he gets to this point where he's trying to explain then, so this is how we should live because of that. And then in verse 17, he kind of puts a bow on it because look what he says. And whatever you do, everyone say whatever. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, here's the thing about God's purpose that he wants us to align to. You say, well, I want to know God's specific, perfect will. I don't want to care about the permissible will. I want to do exactly what God wants me to do. Here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to know your purpose. It is the will of God that you know why God created you. God created you to have a relationship with him. And everything in your life flows out of that. But here's what we do sometimes. By the way, before I start drawing, I'm not a good artist. Okay, my wife was a first grade teacher. She can draw amazing because when you're drawn for first graders, they got to get it. But I'm drawn for you guys today, okay? So you show me some grace here. I'm going to draw three circles here real quick, all right? What is this first circle? This is God's purpose for my life. God's purpose for my life is that I would know him personally, have a relationship with him. That is the ultimate reason why you have breath in your lungs, It's good to know you're not here just to pay taxes, right? It's good to know you're not just here to sit in Atlanta traffic. Can I get an amen? It's good to know that you're not just here to watch the Falcons hopefully win at 3.05 today. What's up? God's purpose for your life is to know him. But then there's your plans. And here's what we say. Man, I want to know what God's will is, okay? So we write this over here. This is God's will. I want to know the plans God has for me. Now, this is purpose. This is God's ways. And we say, man, I I want to know my ultimate purpose. I want to hit the bullseye. And then we have passions over here, right? That's the third circle. And these are giftings and abilities. Some of you in this room, you have an amazing amount of gifts and abilities. Some of you are amazing at business. Some of you have done amazing things in your job. Some of you are into medicine and banking and other. Some of you know how to do things I know nothing about, okay? But I want to tell you this. Every person in this room has passions and abilities and gifts that you have. And here's what we try to do in our life. We try to find the ultimate purpose for our life through our passions, Let me give you an example. When I was a student pastor in Austin, Texas, I was there for about four years, I went on this extended fast in my life. And I prayed for eight things during that prayer time and that fasting. And one of them was for about five years leading up to that, I had been leading worship at churches all throughout the Austin area and different places and was getting asked to go lead at camps. And so I had this thought in my mind, hey, God's given me this ability with music because he must want me to be a worship leader. Here's what I realized through that. It didn't matter what I did. What I did wasn't God's purpose for my life. It's what God created me for. 
is his purpose for my life. See, some of you, you're real good. And in fact, we do this as parents sometimes. We say, oh, these are the things that my kids are passionate about. You know, it's sports, it's uh, music, it's all these other things. And we try to tell our kids, this is why God created you. No, listen, God didn't create you to throw a football. God didn't create you to play a violin amazing. God created you for his praise and his glory. Don't try to find your purpose and your passions. Then we got to go over here to plans. And we say, well, man, I want to I do God's will. I, w- I want to know what God's plan is for me. And then Paul says it to us this way. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul was speaking to a word of identity there for us. And here's what he says. It doesn't matter what you do. Because when you do it according to God's purpose, you start to fulfill God's will, and then suddenly you begin to live your life through your passions. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.